Hey guys, welcome to today's special edition Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz, lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church right here in Jackson, Missouri. This is the first ever special edition of our podcast, and that is because it is airing on this Monday, December 20th, 2021. We don't normally air a podcast on a Monday, but I wanted you guys to go ahead and check out this message, which was actually preached yesterday, December 19th, 2021, at Joy Church in Jackson, Missouri, because this particular message is going to tie into what you're going to hear next Sunday on the podcast when I do part two of of 10 prophecies of Christmas. So I hope you enjoy today's episode. God bless you guys, and we will see you guys next time. We all know that God is good this morning. Amen. Amen. God is good this morning. Well, today I'm going to do kind of a part one, and you're going to get part two Wednesday night. So if you come to Next Level Freedom Church Wednesday night, we're going to have part two of this series, or I guess you call it a series, it's a two-parter, that I'm calling the 10 Prophecies of Christmas. And that's not the only 10, but those are the 10 we're going to look at in this series. So uh, we're going to be, we're going to get to the Christmas story for those of you that are looking for it, because this is the Sunday before Christmas, and traditionally people are like, hey, you got to get the Christmas story in there, right? We're going to get to it, but we, what he just said goes along so much with what the Bible says, this has been going on since the beginning. It's nothing new. We knew, God knew Christ was coming before he made us and before he made time. He knew he would have to have a redemption plan. The key verse for this series is Isaiah 9, 6, and it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Amen. If you're a Christian in here, that should be an amen right there. I'm giving you another chance. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, John. We got it. We're going we're gonna to get some amens here. You're going to have to communicate with me. I'm a little bit different. I like to get the crowd involved if I can. So, uh, but really, the story of Christmas starts all the way back in Genesis 3. Wow, really? Yeah. For those of you who've never studied your Old Testament, I'm going to show you why it's important to understanding the Christmas story. And we're going to spend a lot of time at the beginning of this message just setting it up and then not as much time on the rest. So just get ready. Back in Genesis, God created man. He created the world. And he created a man who was lonely and he created a woman. Well, man fell. And God knew Even before he fell, man was not going to be able to live up to the expectations God needed. So he already had set a redemption plan in place. And that redemption plan prophetically began in Genesis 3, verse 15. And John, you won't have this one up there just yet. Genesis 3, 15 says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. This is after the serpent gets cursed. And God says, here's what's going to happen. Check this out. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The NIV there, I like the way it's worded better. It says he will crush your head. I like that. Especially when we're talking about Jesus crushing the devil. I love it. So he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Well, the heel getting struck was the crucifixion, which came later. 
But Jesus crushed his head when he rose from the dead. And now man has a chance at redemption. And that's really what the Christmas story is about. It's like the kids just sung about. It's not just about a baby being born. It's about the cross. It's about why the baby was born. It's about the resurrection of a king who gave us the opportunity at eternal life. And if you've never received Christ as your Savior, I'm going to give you a chance at the end of the message today. But maybe you've never heard it put quite like this. So let's set the stage for you just a moment. It begins with a man named Abraham. We, so the point number one, if you're taking notes, is that we can follow the lineage through Scripture. We can follow the descendants, and who led up to Jesus through our Bible. That's why your Old Testament's important. Matthew sets that up, which we'll talk about in just a minute. Genesis 12, 3, God calls a man named Abraham out. This is years after Adam. He's just a normal guy, living a normal life. Matter of fact, some of the traditions say his dad created little idol gods for people and sold them to, so this isn't your perfect man. But God called him out, and he said Abram at that time was his name. He gives him this whole thing, but then when he gets down to calling him out, he actually says in verse 3 of Genesis 12, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And check this out. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Wow, that's a big promise. So what do you do with something like that? He did the only thing he knew to do, which was say yes. Say yes to God. And it's because he said yes that God used Abram to change the world. His bloodline to change the world. If you continue on looking at that prophecy, you get to a, a point in time when God speaks to Isaac, who was Abram's son. And he says in 17 of Genesis 17, verse 21, but my covenant I will establish with Isaac. See, Abram tried to take matters into his own hands. God wasn't moving fast enough for him. So him and Sarah decided, you know what? Maybe we should help God along. We're getting old, right? I mean, look at, I mean, the guy's like 75, expecting a kid. And then suddenly they get with, he gets with the handmaiden of Sarah and he's like, okay, I had my son. So he thought he helped God along. Then God comes back and says, you know what, Abram? He said, my covenant I will establish with Isaac. And what else did he say? He said in verse 21, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. It hadn't happened yet. How long is a baby in the womb? Nine months, right? So 12 months before that, he said, a year from now, you're going to have another son. That's the one I'm making my covenant with. All right, so we move on forward. We get to Isaac in Genesis 26 where God calls to him, or Genesis 26, verse 4. He said, and I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven, and I will give to your descendants all these lands, and in your seed, here it is again, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. He just gave Isaac the same promise he gave his dad. And so Isaac continues on. You jump ahead a little bit more. 28, in Genesis 28, uh, verse 14, talking to Jacob. Jacob, this is when Jacob has his dream, the staircase to heaven, and the angels are going up and down. Well, in that time, and I'm just kind of summing it up this morning. We're not spending a lot of time. But 28, verse 14, it says, also, your descendants, this is God to Jacob, because Jacob was still trying to figure out what God he was going to serve. And then all of a sudden, he's like, I'm Jehovah. 
And he's like, okay, Jehovah, I will serve you if you keep your promise. Well, before that, here's what God said. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. That's a lot of people. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So see how the blessing just keeps continuing from son to son. Well, Jacob had 12 kids. 12 kids. One of those kids' name was Judah. But out of those 12 kids, that is where some of you may not understand this. The 12 kids is where we get the 12 tribes of Israel which Israel is what Jacob's name was changed to. For those of you that maybe don't know your history there on the Bible, that'll help you out because he had 12 kids. One of them's name was Judah at Genesis 49. So see, we're still in Genesis. We haven't even got to the rest of the Bible yet. Genesis 49, when Jacob is handing out blessings and curses, you go read it. Some of the sons got curses. But when he's handing out those, in Genesis 49, verses 8 to 10, we're not going to center on everything he said to Judah, but we're going to center in on this, this section I want you to hear. He said, Judah, you are he whom your brothers shall praise. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies, and your father's children shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's whelp. Anybody ever heard the term the lion of the tribe of Judah? That's talking about Jesus, the Messiah, which was coming. But just listen. He says, Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down. He lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who shall rouse him? Verse 10 is important. Check this out. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. Now, you go read Judah's history. He wasn't a perfect man either by any means. But who God chose to use is God's business. Now, check this out. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. Jump ahead several years now, because we don't want to spend too much time. But you jump to a prophet named Isaiah. Chapter 11. We're going to come back to chapter 9. That's our key passage. Chapter 11. Isaiah begins speaking. There shall come forth a rod, capital R. That's important because it's talking about the Messiah. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. Who's Jesse? Jesse is the father of a king you probably know. His name was David. We're going to talk about him in just a minute. It says a branch, capital B, shall grow out of his roots. So what's God saying? He went from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Judah. We follow Judah all the way up. We get to Jesse in the bloodline. Jesse has a son. And you guys know him as King David, the most famous king probably of all time. Most of the world knows who King David was. Matter of fact, they tried to tell us that King David didn't exist till a few years ago when they discovered some artifacts with his name on them in Egypt. See, every time man thinks they got the jump on God, they get proven wrong. So what did the world want you to think? They wanted you to think there was never a king named David who ever reigned. We've got no historical records. Well, God opened that door here just a few years ago. I don't know how many years it's been now. It may have been in the 90s. I don't know how far back it goes. But on some Egyptian artifacts, it talks about a great king named David. The greatest king Israel had ever known until Jesus. 
Now let's keep talking about it. So he says, so from Jesse, the branch is going to come forth. And then in Isaiah 9, we read verse 6 earlier. Let's read verse 7. It says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end until the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Well, what do we find out? We find out that he's coming from the tribe of David, greatest king in Israel. Then you jump to a prophet named Jeremiah. Jeremiah tells us in chapter 23, verse 5, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. That B is capitalized again because it's talking about the Messiah. The branch of righteousness, a king, capital K, shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. Well, that's all great, Pastor. That's all Old Testament. Well, where was it fulfilled in the New Testament? You can find it in the very first verse of the book of Matthew, the first book of your New Testament. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. This is chapter 1, verse 1. The son of David, the son of Abraham. Why is that important? And then from there, you find a list of genealogy of people That show us, just like God promised years ago, the Messiah would come from the tribe of David. And when he did, there were still some that missed it. But then you get a whole group of lineage. Why is that important, Pastor? Because how else do we know who the Messiah is until God told us in his word? That's how we know Jesus was Messiah. Now, over this series, we're only going to look at 10 prophecies. This is the first one. We can trace the lineage. Now, in the book of Luke, there's another genealogy. In the book of Luke, and people sometimes get that confused, but what they don't understand is that one of those genealogies represents Joseph, Jesus' adopted dad on earth, and the other one represents Mary, which is why they look a little bit different in Luke and Matthew. But Luke chapter 1, verses 68 to 69 says, Blessed is the Lord God. This is Zechariah, or Zacharias in some translations, when he's prophesying over his son, who was John the Baptist. When he prophesies over him, he gets in this prophecy, and I believe this is towards the end, because we're not reading the whole thing, but he says, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. And has raised up a horn of salvation. It's still talking about Jesus. For us in the house of his, capital H, servant David. Zechariah knew what was about to happen. The king had arrived. The salvation. So why do we celebrate Christmas? We celebrate a baby being born because without that baby, without God leaving his heavenly throne and coming to the flesh, there's no hope for me or you. But because Jesus took the time out of his busy schedule, running the universe, to die and come to earth for us, we can now live because of him. Think about that next time you tell God you're too busy to spend time with him. What if God would have said to you, I'll get to you in a minute when I got time? We'd still be waiting on a Messiah. We'd still be lost. 
He's running the cosmos, and we worry about little piddly things in our everyday life that keep our minds occupied and distracted from what God is trying to speak to us. So let's move on to the second one. There was another prophecy in Isaiah 7 that said the Messiah would be born of a virgin. Wow. Now, some theologians want to translate that as just young woman. I'm here to politely disagree. I believe that it says virgin for a reason when it's translated in English. Now, let me lay it to you this way. Either way, a young woman in this day would have been a virgin until she was married. You see, in today's world, they say, oh, sleep with who you want. Do whatever it is you want to do. You'll be fine. That's called fornication. That is a sin. Matter of fact, that's some of the big ones that are listed in Galatians. So either way, this virgin was to give birth. Now that sounds impossible, doesn't it? Isaiah 7, 14, he says, Therefore the Lord himself will give us or give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, some of you are waiting for it to say translated God with us. Well, that's actually in the New Testament. His name would be called Emmanuel, which we know as God with us. Where was that fulfilled, Pastor? Well, think about Mary for a second. Go to Luke chapter 1. See, this is where we're going to get into your familiar Christmas story like I promised. Now, verse 26 is where we're going to start. It says, now in the sixth month of the angel, or in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled and is saying, Consider what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be? Since I do not know a man. She hadn't been with a man. How was this possible? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now I was talking to a pastor friend. I guess it's been about a year ago now. And we were talking about this story. He talked to me. He said, you know, the power isn't in the birth. The power is in the conception. And he's got a point. God had to harness himself to go into a woman so that the seed could create the baby that was to come. Because you got to think, the power of God is powerful. If God didn't know how to harness that, he could have blown her to bits, right? But he did. And because he did, the Holy Spirit conceived. Now, can you imagine being, they believe she was around 14 years old here. A 14-year-old girl. And in your culture, you could be stoned for finding yourself to be pregnant before you were married. Especially her, because she was betrothed already. 
which means she was kind of like our term engaged to Joseph. The difference is when they're betrothed, they're pretty much married. They just have to wait a year to consummate, consecrate the marriage. So we look at this virgin. Now, now my other question that always come to mind is, what's Joseph thinking? Think about Joseph. Think about the faith that Joseph had to have. Can you imagine? She goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth after Elizabeth was six months pregnant. That's what the verses told us. She, she conceived. She goes to visit Elizabeth. They're gone a few months. She comes back. She's pregnant. And she says, oh, Joseph, I'm pregnant, but it's okay because this is God's baby. Can you imagine the faith of Joseph? Joseph is, see, like all y'all smiling. Joseph's probably thinking, okay. Until God speaks to Joseph. Now, the birth of Jesus, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, that's how we know it was betrothed, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a man, a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Now, we would justify that in this society. We would say, oh, she's pregnant. She must have done something, whether she admits it or not, right? They were doing the same thing back then. People judging her all over. Just imagine. In one particular movie I think that does a good job of explaining this is the nativity story. You see a little bit of the persecution that they had to face and the looks they had to get from people. Because, see, Mary wasn't the only one. Joseph still took her. So now for the rest of their lives, they're going to be coined as, up. Oh, yep, yeah, that happened out of wed. Right? See, people don't think about that when we think about the story. Oh, great, the baby's born. It's so, I'm so happy. There's a story there. I read my Bible a little bit different than other people. I like to put myself where they're at. What are they thinking? Here's what happens. I got to keep reading. Being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take you, Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name. Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, behold, this is what we were at a minute ago, Isaiah 7, 14, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, there it is, you were waiting on it, God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. If that angel hadn't visited Joseph, I wonder how different the story would have turned out. But see, God's always got a plan. We talked about at the very beginning of this message all the way back in Genesis 3, God had a plan. Man sinned, he had a plan. God's always got the plan. The other one that I think was fascinating is there was a prophecy, some of you may not know this, that Christ would be born in Bethlehem. 
Joseph and Mary living Nazareth. It's a town in Galilee. How in the world is God going to get them from Nazareth to Bethlehem, which is a very long journey. And I don't remember the exact, I had it at one point, but I don't remember the exact amount of months it may have taken or days that it would have taken them to get there. But Micah 5, 2, the promise from the prophet said, but you, Bethlehem of Ethrath, through you, though you, I'm sorry, are little among the thousands of Judah, just a small little town, Yet out of you shall come forth to me, capital M, the one, capital O, to be ruler, capital. And why are you emphasizing the capitals? Because people don't get it. That's talking about God. That's talking about your Messiah. The ruler of Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. So you look at their situation now. She's already pregnant. Joseph just found out it's by the Holy Spirit. But they're not in Bethlehem. So what's God do? God's always got, somebody say to your neighbor, God's always got a plan. God's always got a plan. Well, how did he do it? Well, Luke chapter 2 tells us, and it came to pass, verse 1, in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place when Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called, what's it say? Bethlehem. Somebody say, God's got a plan. Because he was of the house and the lineage of David. So what the world called impossible God said, nah, nah, nah. Can you just, okay, this is just for fun, all right? Can you just imagine the throne of heaven? Now, this may not really happen. This may just be me throwing something out there. The angel's sitting around. God's there on his throne. And God, wait, wait, the prophet said, and God's just like, well, watch this. And the decree goes out. Imagine, because God's still running things. Somebody say God's still running things. It doesn't matter what the world looks like. God is still running things. If you jump to verse 6 in Luke 2, it says, So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. Imagine that. It's time to have a baby. And where are they at? In Bethlehem, just like the prophet said. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you tidings, good tidings, of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, capital S, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. Now, this next one might shock you a little bit, but how many of you all realize it was prophesied in the Old Testament that shepherds would bow before the Messiah when he came? Wow. They're hanging out in the wilderness. How are they going to make it to Bethlehem? 
Here's what, here it is, for those of you who don't believe me. Psalm 72. We're going to look more at this Wednesday night because so, there's a lot of good stuff in Psalm 72 when we talk about the wise men and things. Psalm 72, 9. Those who dwell in the wilderness will bow before him and his enemies will lick the dust. Woo, now we know the licking the dust came later, especially when he rose. But those in the wilderness sounds a lot like shepherds to me. Amen? How many of y'all realize the shepherds were part of that prophecy from the Old Testament? And where was it contained? You continue there in Luke 2, verse 13, where we left off. It says, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us go now, go or let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, and it was told, or as it was told them. These shepherds, the ones that were looked lowly on society, are braver than most of today's church. That was that hurt, I know, but it hurt me too. Because what did they do when they found out what God had done? What did it say? It said in verse 17, when they seen him, they made widely known. That means they told people. You got people in the church now that won't even tell anybody about Jesus. When's the last time you told somebody about Jesus? Just a question. I know that hurt me too. Let's end with this last one as we get ready to wrap up, make you feel a little bit better maybe. Point five, prophecy five. We're going to get to the other five Wednesday. It said a star would point the way. That was prophesied in your Old Testament. And if you're, I hope you're writing these verses down. For those of you that may not have known this stuff, Numbers 24 tells us this, verse 17. I see him, but not now. I mean, y'all know it was a long time from then when Moses was writing Numbers to when the Messiah came. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. He knew it was going to be some time. A star, capital S, shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter, capital S, shall rise out of Israel, and batter the brow of Moab, and destroy all the sons of Tumult. So, if I'm reading this, and it hasn't happened yet, my first thoughts are, oh, well, that star with a capital S, that's just talking about the, whoever the Messiah is going to be is going to come, right? That just shows how we can misinterpret sometimes. It, it was that. There's truth behind that because there's an S there. But a literal physical star that you've heard about, most people know about the Christmas star, changed the world. And it probably took time, but at least in this night. Where is that fulfilled? Matthew 2. This is where we're wrapping up this morning. Verses 1 and 2, it says, after, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men. We're going to talk more about them next or Wednesday night. 
wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his, what does that say? Star in the east and have come to worship him. That there shows me the awesomeness of God in a whole nother way. Because even if I would have been interpreting that that just means the Messiah is coming, a literal star shows up. So if you're tuning with us online, whether it's Facebook Live or you're going to catch this later in the week on one of the websites, nextlevelfreedomchurch.com or joychurchjacksonmo.com, you can check. Thank you for tuning. But here's the deal. Why do we celebrate this season? We celebrate the coming Messiah who was prophesied thousands and thousands of years before it happened. And when he came, just like many today are missing him. But here's my offer to you. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, you can right where you're at. At home, here, you ask him into your heart. You say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose on the third day, becoming victorious over death, that I might live. I ask you to come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Forgive me of all my sins. From here on out, I want to live my life for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. And that's really what it's all about. What good is a baby being born do you unless you receive his gift? What is that gift? Salvation. What am I being saved from? From the bondage of your sin that some of you didn't even know you're in. A slave to sin and didn't even know it. He come to set you free from everything. And I hope this holiday season when you're hanging around with your family, wherever you're doing, that you are keeping, like Brett said on Let's Talk this week, the main thing, the main thing. The main thing is Jesus. Yeah, the whole Santa Claus stuff and all that. Yeah, that's fun. But the main thing is Jesus. Christmas isn't about St. Nicholas. Matter of fact, you study the history on St. Nicholas. He was celebrating the risen Savior. That's why he got called a saint. He was a missionary. Go look it up. Do your own research. What the world has made it is not what God had intended. It's about a baby being born, a free gift of salvation that we can freely receive because he died on the cross and rose again on that third day. If you don't know Christ and you prayed that prayer, I want to say if you meant it from your bottom of your heart, congratulations, welcome to God's family. The key word is salvation is not a prayer, it's a lifestyle. It doesn't stop with saying a few words. You got to be living it out. That's how you know if you received him or not. It doesn't take all those words. The Bible tells us, believe he rose from the dead. Believe Jesus rose from the dead and you shall be saved. And I won't go into all those verses because we need to get ready to close for today. But thank you so much for tuning with us on Facebook Live or online. We thank you so much for joining us. God bless you. And if you want part two, for those of you online, tune in next Sunday. It'll be up and you'll have part two of this. But God bless you. And we'll see you next week.